This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. This episode features a chat with Anthony Kamein from a group called Triple Kill. Now, the catalyst for the chat is the launch of a new album, which will see light of day on the 25th of August, 2023. It is titled blackened dawn of course we talk all about the album but because i'm talking to a fellow aussie this conversation goes down a number of avenues and alleyways i had a lot of fun in this one here so i hope you enjoy listening to it as well now i've selected a tune for you from the album this one is titled dust once it's done we'll dive into the chat let's go
Sorry about that. The the last uh, few times that I've attempted to launch a Zoom from scratch, um, it's decided to do updates. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, but, uh, I had that on the way into things. So annoying. Yeah, oh. I've got the app on my computer. You think it would just ask me to update it prior to the second the meeting starting? I know it's crazy. I had the same thing with Scott from Carnifex, except it took about seven or eight minutes to update. And I'm like, I've got a fast Mac. What is going on here? It's like <laughs> threading their update through the eye of a needle or something, you know? Yeah, it, it's not good. Yeah, it took me a while too, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me on board, dude. That's fine, brother. Thank you for... Thank you for accepting the invitation for the opportunity to have a chat. It looks like you're in your rehearsal room there. It looks great. Yeah, this yeah, this is a rehearsal room. Uh it's also my garage. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got sick of paying people just to play music, so I built my own uh space. So good on you. Yeah, that's the way to go. I mean, you guys are a serious band though. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it's either pay out to somebody who's probably a mate of yours, let's face it, somebody who owns a rehearsal studio yeah. or do your own thing and save a bunch of bucks that you can then put back into the band, namely those great videos that you produce. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Like I think uh it's like a hundred bucks. Like every single time we practice, we save a hundred dollars. Um wow. and yeah, absolutely do put it into those videos. Uh yeah, especially the last one. Um I, I don't know if you uh were privy to the the whole campaign behind that one, but we, we did a twenty yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> Thought it was great. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we did a 24-hour live stream in here. We didn't leave this garage for 24 hours, and we had people give us, like, nearly 7K yep. in donations, and we used that to, like, get a crew together to just make this silly video. So Thoroughly deserved based on the dedication you're putting into your craft there, and it's an interesting Thanks, point around your uh, your videos and what you did there because I, I could be wrong. I know Neo did, you know, Libriscaris did something not similar, but, you know, a crowdfunding thing a couple of years ago that was quite successful. But uh, they're, they're just, there isn't a lot of bands. And here's the key point. They're, they're wanting, they're wanting fans. They're wanting, you know, they're wanting people to come to their shows and all this sort of stuff. They're not putting out content. And that's the world we live in these guys in these days. And I feel like you guys are right on top of that, the content side of it. Yeah, actually, we, we've hit a, a really interesting balance. Like, if, if you if you're ever diving deep into local bands, you'll see people who were putting out content for content's sake. And if you ask anybody who's got a career and just putting out content, they find it like really tiring. Whereas we've kind of like hit this really awesome like middle ground of like our content is based around our community and or 
you know, spending time together as like best mates. And so we get to like literally laugh at each other and it, it ends up in us making a music video out of it. Like it's, it's pretty awesome. What you guys are doing too, I think is showing what Aussie metal is all about to those abroad, which is that we do have a sense of humor, even if it isn't, Yours is distinct through your music, by the way, but sometimes it isn't like with sadistic executions, right? But those guys just like taking the piss out of themselves and anybody else as well. But you guys are showing what Aussie metal is really all about in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Like uncompromised on on the music, like put everything you have into it. Uh, you know, don't compromise on the image. Um, don't let somebody else tell you how to do it and do, do it the way you think is like fun and enjoyable and don't look back like... That's that's absolutely it. I think that's particularly Australian as well. Like you always hear from other countries that there's a meta, like because we're so far away from them, we sort of we have to find something that works. Uh, a lot of times that manifests into like gimmicky kind of bands, but um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So Blackened Dawn, is that out yet or is that have I got an advance from Dicey there? You've got an advance. So uh, you're one of the lucky ones. It comes out next Friday though. Um, so the we're releasing the track Dust tomorrow at midday. It'll be on all the platforms at midnight tonight. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I guess enjoy uh, for the for the week you get to rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it often happens. I mean, part of the review cycle in terms of uh, preparation for conversations and the like. But uh, I like what you guys are doing. I think it highlights something else, which is that Melbourne is the thrash capital, maybe not just of Australia, but of the world at the moment. I mean, there are so many killer thrash bands that originate from Melbourne or guys that moved down from Melbourne from here. I know a couple of guys that have moved down and brought their band down with them, but is there something in the water down there about thrash, is there? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, got something to do with Melbourne being like maybe the live music capital of the world or something. I, I read a stat a few years ago that was like we had the most live music venues per mile or something, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and I think it's like it's created uh, a scene where people are so uh enthusiastic to get on stage because there's people willing to support them and ready to put them on stages um yeah which is i i guess also the same reason as to why covid was so hard because that opportunity was taken away so we unfortunately saw a lot of these really amazing thrash bands like espionage and stuff like that like break up um because they sort of yeah Tessa Crater yeah, was another one. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it was because of that, but it's certainly, it was coincidental of nothing else. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Dan Andrews. I've got to say, <laughs> someone who looks at it from afar, I just, I love Melbourne. I've got to say, you could never live there. And mainly because of the politics. I, I can't understand how a whole state can go into this fucking permanent lockdown, which it more or less was the, the, the longest lockdown in the Western Hemisphere at mm. the behest of a bloke who was using taxpayer funds to fund whether or not what he was doing was going to be politically palatable. He's a fucking psychopath. And, uh, you know, what he did to the arts through that process and what he's done to the com games as well, using that as a political pawn to get elected and then ditching it, I, I just can't understand because I, the reason why I can't understand specifically is because I talk to people in Melbourne and yeah. nobody likes him. So who the, yeah. who the hell is voting for him? Well, that's strange uh, because... Um during lockdowns he actually did a couple of things that were really beneficial to bands like mine and you know like the sound guy that we use and the the, the place where we recorded our album where uh they allowed us to say hey we've lost this amount of money this year could you you know pay it back and 
the government did it and um it's it's helped triple kill uh move to like a digital rig and uh upgrade the gear and get ready for when lockdown ended so at least there was that to his credit as far as the other politics go though uh you know i don't really i don't really know i'm from tasmania so. <laughs> yeah I, I love melbourne as i say i i we my wife and i were down there i watched incantation the fans are great the security staff are great i can't believe i'm saying that uh, <laughs> where did you go <laughs> I, I went to max watts and oh yeah max watts rolls yeah yeah and and just you know I, I walked in there with you know i got a beer when i went to the bar and i you know i, I had my scars and guitars t-shirt on but it wasn't because of that but just people started talking to me and stuff and they don't do that here i can yeah. tell you that you, you know you walk away from the bar and you'd be lucky if you, you if you don't have a one meter perimeter around you and Dude. um yeah uh, Andrew, that sucks to hear because if you were at a gig down here, I would say hello. <laughs> I definitely would. Yeah, screw that. Like, that's that's what makes it a lot of fun is like getting to know people, uh, finding like-minded people as well, people who just agree with you that you know Incantation is a cool band. Uh, that's that's already such a good step up from the people you probably work with or something. So, oh, it was just it was just more. I'm, I'm a bit of a loner, you see. I mean, and I've got a you know, uh, a real life, you know, which uh, I'm a journalist and, and there's my pinging now going off uh, about something that's going on tonight that I've got to manage after this, but never mind. And, uh, yeah, I tend to sort of do this just because I enjoy it and it's my own pursuit. My wife doesn't get into heavy metal or extreme metal. She likes uh, hip-hop and urban music and uh, the hits of the day, the R&B hits of the day, if you like. But um, I just, every time I've gone down to Melbourne, I've had such a great time, but uh, the cold is one thing. Um, yeah. As soon as, yeah. as soon as I don't, you probably don't notice it, but as soon as the air, aircraft door opens, there's this cold draft that just boom, it just hits you. And uh, you, um, you're yeah, talking to a guy who just took to a, who just took a holiday in Iceland in December where it was <laughs> winter. So yeah, I don't definitely don't notice it, dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess though, so if I go to another state, I, the first thing I say when I get off the plane is like, "Fuck, it's hot." So yeah. <laughs> well, are you from Hobart originally, or elsewhere? Yeah, Hobart, um, a little bit. Uh, I'm from a small town called St Helens, which is like on the east coast, and um, yeah, it's tiny. I think it only has a population of like 1,600 or something. So. Love Tasmania. I've, I've travelled, yeah. not around it, but I've travelled through it and spent a lot of time in uh, Hobart. My godson, his mother, is uh, from Hobart originally and uh, I love going down there. The food, uh, love getting drunk down there. It's just one of those towns you can sort of walk into people yeah. a bit like Melbourne. It's like a smaller version of Melbourne in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's something in the water down there with some of those musicians. I don't know if you've cracked on the Fierce Deity yet, but my God, dude. Not yet. But I will. Psychroptic as well. Yeah, psychroptic and fierce deity. Yeah, something in the water, I swear to God. (laughs) It's not just that. There's the dark mofo thing as well, which is arguably the premier extreme festival in the world at the moment. There's nothing like it. I I was in in Iceland. I went to this thing called Anti-Christian Festival in Iceland, and (laughs) the headlining band were like, oh, we're going to Australia in, you know, like whenever dark mofo is to play dark mofo. And I was like what the hell? And you're playing this pub in Iceland. This is so cool. <laughs> like, who, who was a Solstafir or something like that, was it? No, it wasn't Solstafir. Um, I don't actually remember their name. They, I was introduced to them uh, like earlier in the show and I didn't stay around long enough to to remember them. But 
Um, yeah. yeah. I'd love to go to Iceland too, though. I've got to say, I've got a mate oh. over there. Yeah, it's. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just I met him. He's a musician. I met him through the podcast, but we talk all the time over text and messenger. And uh, he's now a tour guide, but he was oh, in a what? band. He was in a band back in the day that were a bit like Limp Bizkit or, you know, had that hip-hoppy edge, yep. and they toured Australia. So, of course, he's uh, had developed a fondness for Australia through that, and we he loves Morbid Angel and all the stuff that I like, and we talk, you know, we talk for, for quite a bit around uh, the intricacies of Trey's guitar playing and this sort of thing, but <laughs> yeah. now he's a now he's a tour guide over there, and I'm like, dude, whenever I can get over there, whenever I've got the it's, – it's not about money, it's about time, dedicating yeah. the time to actually, you know, enjoy yourself um, on there. So, yeah, so tell me, tell me about yourself a little bit. Whereabouts are you from? Goldie, Gold Coast. Ah, uh, so yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. So in between Brisbane and Gold Coast, Canefield Country is called. We call it Canefield uh, Country. Like in so, between, like near Top Golf. <laughs> that's, that's my idea of a landmark. <laughs> spot on, brother. Not far from <laughs> yeah. that. That's probably about 10Ks from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Maybe a bit yeah. more, but yeah, just around there. So in, inland toward the, uh, I want to say, sorry, more toward the uh, the shore, the shoreline, the coastline. Yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. But gotcha. it's um so you know all of our roofs are caked in dirt from all of the um cane fields you know the tilling of the cane fields that sort of thing from the tractors and stuff so it's sort of I don't even notice it to be honest with you because I'm in residential or suburbia but you can sort of walk literally 200 meters that way and you're in the middle of a cane field that's really it's, cool <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> yeah it's pretty much the quintessential oh. Queensland environment but you just you know when you're here do you notice it no nah, it's only when somebody yeah. comes here and goes wow look at that. Yeah, like, oh yeah, the Canfield, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for you guys, Black and Dawn is that is that something of a? Is it? I'm not aware. I'm not. I don't have too much background on the on the band. I much can must confess. Yeah. So, is this is this album here? Is this a statement that you've always wanted to release, or is it just in 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 a lot of bands' cases, it's just another album? You know, like the Slayer thing. It's just, here's another album. We're giving this to our fans. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of a complicated question because our first album that we released age of rebellion was a hey we're excited to make heavy metal and this is the way that our excitement has manifested into music and we've created something that felt very inspired by so many different sources but uh with lockdown and being separate because we love to write together um, being separated means that we were forced to isolate our individual abilities to write music and and spend time thinking about like what music meant to the individual. Um, and it's sort of like we we put together a lot of songs over um, you know like about three years, four years, um, and you know it kind of boiled down to like this really interesting mix of songs that were all inspired by other bits of media. So for example, Black and Dawn is about Batman year one. Uh, Dust is about Midnight Mass, a horror series on Netflix. But the songs themselves aren't necessarily about that to us. They're about, you know, like the the kind of lessons that they go through. So like in the Batman example, it's like the you know, like you fight your entire life against all these like struggles and it feels bad and you don't want to do it, but like you just really have to use the strength inside of you to just like keep going. And like, these are like kind of personal stories and we, we sort of found a new, new love and balance in that sort of like really personal side of writing music. Like, you know, we've, we've done the excitement piece. Now we've done the personal piece and uh, we really love the characters and being able to express 
through these characters. Um, and so we've, we're probably going to continue to do that. We're probably going to keep writing albums that are like expressing, you know, like different lessons that we've learned as, you know, human beings and dudes or whatever. Um, but like in ways that, uh, you know, we've had to learn them like through these medias and stuff. And uh, I'm sure there are tons of people out there who like, you know, uh, the same of the uh, same as us, where like, you know, we, we probably weren't privy to like, you know, this this kind of like emotional development in our like upbringing. Um, but the fact that we've pulled it out of like this episode of He-Man and put it into a song because we were like, God damn, that hits. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's sort of the stuff that we're sort of aiming for now, which is which is awesome. I, I love it. Killer. So is it fair to say that the the album was written not as a collective but separately, then you combined your talents after many of the songs were finished to sort of deliver the finished product? Yeah, so kind of, kind of. We try to keep it as collaborative as possible. Like, you know, Connor will send me a, a drum sample of him playing drums and he'll be like, hey, this reminds me of 12 Foot Ninja. What can you do with it? Um and that's like, you know, where some ideas come from. We we kind of like proc each other for ideas. Um and then it's playing to each other's strengths. Like, um, you know, we we put it in a, a place where we can all access it and listen to it. You know, Rodney will come up with some ideas for how the vocal melody could go. You know, I'll change the guitar parts to sort of like emphasize his melody more. And then like kind of through that sort of collaboration, we're um, able to like sort of lean into our strengths. But uh, it doesn't come without that individual element of like, literally sitting in front of this computer with a Cubase session open for like nine hours, like trying yeah. to go, is this good? Is this good? But ask someone else like, yeah. We've talked about some of the bands that suffered through COVID and, and ultimately agreed to go separate ways. But, um, and you've also talked about how you were able to maybe not thrive, but survive through COVID. So for you guys, in terms of the future, clearly the future's bright. Otherwise you wouldn't release an album like this one here, but talking about, so a two-pronged question. I'll we'll start with the touring side of things. Yep. Are you planning on a lot of touring? Uh, we want to play really specific and really awesome shows. We're doing a tour in September for the album, which is going to be like our goodbye to our old material. Like we're finally, you know, opening up to this new set list and we're trying it out and making it feel awesome. In December, we're going to play a show that's just run by us in where we can play, uh, you know, uh, all of the new stuff on the album and just the hits from the previous stuff. Um, and then after that, it's like, it's kind of like an open field. It's like, we haven't got any specific like big touring plans. We've got, you know, desires to absolutely tour with whatever opportunities like come to us. But, um, I think the mistake we made last time uh, between Age of Rebellion and Black and Dawn is that we toured so much that we were lazy getting back into the album writing. And this time I'm so excited to get back into the album writing that if we didn't start touring next year, I wouldn't be too mad. I would just keep writing. So um, I think that's kind of a win-win, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys enjoy touring? Do you enjoy being on the road in each other's company? Yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, like we're all best mates. Like um, Mackie, Rodney, and myself, we go back to high school. Like I met these guys like 15 years ago. Um, Connor and Ethan, like uh, I've met them like in the community, like probably about a decade ago individually as well. And like, yeah, we message each other like every day, like silly things and like uh, 
the kind of shooting it up to on tour as well is like uh it's so wholesome and uh actually the video we're putting out tomorrow is like the most serious song we've ever written and the the kind of meaning in the background and summarizes how it's like to be with these guys as well um where it's like you know you you kind of have this like darkness of things like lockdown you know you you get depressed and uh you know things don't really seem worth it but then you get one day like with this like band of ours and it's like shit these guys these guys make it worth it you know so yeah well the second part of my question was in regards to social media and i've had a really good couple of chats with chris Tamelko, who you've mates with i'm aware yeah about this topic as well and look the bottom line is unless you can game the system or alternatively pump a bunch of money into social media it's very hard to get your content out there to people who would otherwise not be searching for it. That's the key point. So what are your views yeah. on that? Yeah, no, I entirely agree. And it actually is very frustrating at how much of a whim that these things can be. Like in this last week, Spotify decided to put us in their release radar algorithm and our monthly list has jumped by 4.5 thousand uh, on a whim. We've put out, you know, two songs previous to that happening and, you know, nothing. Um, but I think at the moment we're kind of stuck. Like it's a really busy time in Australia for tours. We've got companies who are bringing like, you know, sort of the mid to high range tours and are making it kind of hard for the the sort of local bands to really succeed. Um, so if like any of them are listening to this, I've had the most success doing physical promotion, like going to a show or handing out flyers and making people really? laugh when I do. So yeah, you taking my tickets to gigs and selling t-shirts at the shows and cutting half of the cost off the t-shirts if they add a add a ticket to their cart like stuff like that has been really successful and it's also stuff that you can control like the worst part about social media is some days it's great and other days it's like i'm pretty sure every bot in russia just click a like on this status <laughs> like you know what i mean so yeah yeah i do and that's that's part of the reason why i think elon was so so gung-ho about clearing up twitter because it's rife on Instagram and on or Meta, same thing, yeah. Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah, it's uh, you certainly deserve to have an audience far beyond the one that you have, and I'm not just pissing in your pocket by saying that. I oh, don't thanks, dude. think there's another Australian band except for King Parrot. You guys and King Parrot have a social media game via your your screen consumption, the stuff that you're putting out there for screen consumption, because that's where it's at right now. You guys are the only two. As I said, there's probably another band somewhere else doing something similar, but I'm just not on my radar yet. They're just not on my radar yet. So for you guys to be doing that and to be getting, I mean, it was just, I feel the same way with some of the interviews I do there. You know, some of them are in the hundreds and I think, far out, that was a really good one. I wish I could get some more, but we're all at the behest of this algorithm here, aren't we? And uh, yeah, it's just the game that we're all, you know, we're all on the pitch and whether we're a podcaster or musicians like yourselves, we're all sort of subject to it. It's so true. And like, uh, sometimes, you know, you can put a lot of effort in understanding that algorithm and trying to work it out and game it yourself. Um, and other times, like, you're just going to be surprised with what works and what doesn't. Like, uh, an example I have of this is um, our bass player runs our TikTok page, which, because none of us want to use TikTok, because that's definitely not a, a thing that, you know, met, like a... You know, like a middle-aged oh, yeah. musician really wants to be doing to promote their music. <laughs> um, 
you know, but he, this, this guy loves it because he, he finds it hilarious. So, you know, he'll, he'll post like, you know, snippets of our promo videos on, on there. And it's, it's cool to like see which ones hit this generic audience in different ways. Like for some reason, like people really love the Beyblade stuff on there and like 150,000 people watched yeah. like the intro scene to our Beyblades video. But like the one that I thought was hilarious was this, gig we did called uh the moon doll festival and the whole promo was like there's a giant fucking moon doll in the sky and mackie like flies up and punches it and <laughs> it's so stupid i thought that was gonna be successful and like 60 people watched that so it's kind of like yeah, is there a point in trying <laughs> yeah just just do something that i i think the biggest piece of advice um uh, is you know, you do things that are going to make you happy and make you laugh. And if it succeeds online, then that's awesome. And if it doesn't succeed online, don't like, you know, get caught up in that. Just like think of the next thing that's going to make you laugh. Don't think of the next thing that's going to be popular. Cause like, you know, we don't make content for content's sake. We make content cause we want to make triple kill work. You know, we want to make this dream of ours a reality and the people that we have around us are already giving us that opportunity, like, you know, all the support from the people who helped us make a, a video and such. And like, we didn't, we didn't game any algorithms to ask for their support. We literally just locked ourselves in this garage and had fun for 24 hours. So sometimes that's just all it takes. You mean you didn't go to Famoid and buy 5,000 followers on YouTube? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Have you seen how bands do that, though? Because I get I yeah. get all of these promos and I go online and have a look at it and go, wow, they've got like 72,000 views of their Facebook or their YouTube video. And I'm like, how no the comments. Hell did that happen? Well, the comments are there, right? But they're yeah. like, wow, your music is really fashionable. <laughs> this, sort of thing, this sort of thing and i'm like there's like hundreds of these sort of comments and it's like i know what you guys have done you've gained the system a bit like that guy that did that band oh i'll get it wrong now i hate it when i do this what was that band threaten did you hear threaten. about that situation no so it, it was oh, this has happened before and since but yeah you, is, is this the is, is this the one where the guy like faked his band yeah Spot okay good yeah, he faked his band, and it got to the point where one of the promoters, one of the the venue owners in the UK, forced him, more or less at knife point, I think, to go to an ATM and withdraw the money that was the the guarantee for the venue, um, to take it out before he disappeared because he just totally he went online, he went to Famoid, he went to all of these places, and he went, I'm just going to totally game the system and say that we have two hundred thousand Facebook followers and likes and all of our you know all of this organic content is getting it's it's hitting with the right the the, the right notes out there and um it's bullshit yeah but, it is bullshit you know yeah look buying five thousand followers from family isn't going to get you you know invited to play somebody's wedding because they they met at your show so like that's a that's a completely different world like yeah yeah, but it, but it's it's a way that people feel that they can game the system to an earlier point that you made, and uh, yes, yeah, I, I I can't understand it, but it is what it is. I mean, we we each we we're we're all out there as well as musicians. I'm a musician too, but I just don't play extreme metal. But the point is, we're all trying to reach people who want to like our music. Yeah, okay? and it's just made really difficult through algorithms, which really don't accept your music or what your product until you start throwing tons of money at it. 
That's so true. It is so true. And and sometimes they just put the uh, the walls up too. Like on YouTube, you can't you can't advertise your own music unless you got over a thousand followers. It's like how do you get to that one thousand followers? Like it's just such a slog. Oh, it's, it's, so yeah, it's dude, what kind of music are you what kind of music are you making? Man, I play covers. So um oh, sick. I've got this total duality with music where I play funk, disco, Kylie Minogue, Gloria Gaynor <laughs> in my like my, my playing, it's all you know, five string bass. Where's the five string bass? There it is there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. all five-string bass stuff where I'm doing slap stuff and it's got no relationship whatsoever to my pursuit of what I do on the podcast. And you know what? I'm cool with it. It seemed to be divergent pathways, but I straddle both and I've never heard anybody take an issue with me on on, on for either. You know, occasionally I'll turn up in my, uh, you know, death metal band T-shirt to a gig and I'll just play in that if it's an out-of-the-way venue, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, I just – I but I love playing bass. I play guitar too, as you can see, but um, – that's more uh, do like an acoustic duo, and uh, yeah, you like have you, done that. Yeah, you look like you got a whole setup going there, like multiple guitars, heaps of vinyls. Like it looks awesome in there. <laughs> yeah, spot on, brother. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like everybody, like like you, no doubt, man. I'm just a music is has long taken up most of my mental psyche. Yeah, you know, I just love thinking about it, love talking about it, just love playing. The whole thing, but for whatever reason, I tried to be in a death metal band back in about 98, 99 and just wasn't for me. And I knew that it was just one of the things I felt internally. I was like, Yeah, I, well, I don't think I can do this, you know. And, um, yeah, and they wanted me to play with a pick and I play sort of, you know, I play up high like this sort of. I mean, if it was a band like Cynic or something like that, I'm not saying I can play that style, but I'm just saying if they wanted those sort of bass lines, you know, maybe I could have like studied hard and get gotten to that point, but it never happened. It, I just got gigs as a, as a covers musician pretty much ever since then, and um, I've been playing funk and disco bass lines and rock bass lines, a lot of rock bass lines, and and, and you enjoy those, right? Like that's oh, the important absolutely, part, yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I've got no, I'm 45, man, and I just love my life at the moment. You know, I get to play on the weekends. I get to play in front of people. I mean, that's the thing, right? You get to play yeah. in front of people, and they're dancing and they're drunk and they're they're re- you get off stage and they hug you and stuff and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's you're uh, like jesus i'm so sweaty leave me alone <laughs> and yeah. like i'm coming in <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I mean, so it's, it's one thing and then you get these you know these young girls you know they're dressed up to the nines in their little black dresses and stuff and they're hot and stuff and you just think Fucking hell, if my 18-year-old self could see what's going on here right now, I'd be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like uh, we, we, at our last show with Night Flight Orchestra, we we played uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth, uh, just busted that out as a cover. Like Linda Carlisle. Nice. Yeah, Linda Carlisle. Like, yeah. yeah. Just like, I've done that a few times. Mm. Chuck him a heavy metal, you know, skin on top of heaven is a place on earth and then busting it out, like literally randomly at a show, like people lose their mind in that first line. Like the, as soon as they realize what oh, it is. Heaven is a- yeah. And it's, just, yeah. it's a great vocal. Did you do the harmony on that? Oh no, that was Ethan, <laughs> the, the bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice, uh, yeah. I, I've, I've uh, lent myself now to shouting <laughs> because uh, I kept getting too awkward with the harmonies. Like we moved to like an inner system. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And when I could start to hear myself, I started realizing I should stick to shouting. <laughs> so, it's a um, tough one, brother. I mean, look, my, my I was in a descant choir when I was a kid and, you know, then it became an alto and, 
then lost it, the ability to sing for a period of time there, and then just through playing a lot, I sort of got it back, and now I sound like Richard Butler from Psychedelic Furs. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, okay, that's just the way the voice has evolved. I'll run with that. Now I'm trying to sing. <laughs> the recent one I'm trying to sing for the band is um, um, oh, the Tears for Fears song. I'm shocking with names. Sorry, brother. Um, that's okay. Uh, everybody, everybody wants to rule the world. I'm trying to sing oh, that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, um, excellent, excellent. It's a banger. You know, look, when you've had four or five drinks, you know, I mean, they're the sort of songs that when a full band is behind, it's got some weight to it, maybe not heaviness, but some weight to it. Yeah. And and it's 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 meaningful and it comes across. And someone like me who isn't a – these days who isn't a natural-born singer, I've had – I have to put in tens of hours of practice in order to get to that point. And you get to that point and I listen back to the videos and I'm going, oh, yeah, okay, they're all right. They're not, they're not shit. Put it that way. They're not shit. You know, I mean, you could always sound, you know, if you compare yourself to the bloke who originally sings it, forget about it. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, you, absolutely. you, you gotta, you got to just sort of do your best and just hope it comes across to the audience. And if the girls are dancing, you've done your job. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it interesting <laughs> how much of the music scene manifests just that I, I, ideology? Like, I don't know if you've hit this point in your life, but when you like, you need to come to terms with the goals that you set about yourself and you know what success is uh you know like life suddenly becomes a lot easier to live um but like before that like when you're like oh i want to be the next metallica or whatever bullshit people say to themselves the second they're like not getting anywhere near that they just like feel like the biggest pieces of shit in the world you know like but those people don't you find those people who come up to you at gigs uh they might be nice people but they could become insufferable because they they sort of try to talk down to you in some ways about that, like I could have been this or I could have been that, yeah. But you know, this yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe if you could have been, you would have been. Let's face it. I mean, being in a band takes it. Being in a band and doing what you guys do, I know it takes hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of rehearsal to get to the point where you are to be as cohesive as what it sounds, and then to make it sound as um, to make it sound as as uh, visceral on stage key point visceral on stage is what it does you can feel it in your gut that just doesn't just yeah. happen you got to practice it, yeah absolutely and it's like a bit more than practice too it's like you got to think about all the resources you have available to you like if you haven't got a sound guy or girl who uh you know will you know spend the time like listening to your music and then working out what's going to be right for you in a particular size room then like you're setting yourself up for just like not as good as you possibly could be like um yeah all that sort of stuff yeah the sound side of things we're we're lucky we've got a, a billy lee my singer she's married to tony our sound guy so we're, we're fortunate but god knows i've been in plenty of bands where you don't even have fold back in front of you you just got oh, your hand you've oh, done that man. no doubt you've done that and you just done that so many times oh yeah <laughs> like never again oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, just, I've I've had some very disgraceful gigs in my time, like falling off the stage, like taking a line six spider three to a gig. If anybody knows what that is, you're probably laughing at that. But yeah, just that sort of shit. Been yeah. all through that. Yeah. But it's all part of the part of progress, isn't it? It's all part of learning yeah. about the musician you want to be. And I think that's the key point for any and this is a point within a point. And do you find this? There's not a lot of being in Melbourne. You may, but there's not a lot of young musicians coming through. We're all sort of in our mid thirties or forties. Yeah, uh, there's there is a few in. I feel like scenes that are easier to crack into 
And I think that's the choice. Like, you know, like there's not a lot of people who are dedicated to things like melodic death metal, uh, you know, um, and, and when there are like, you know, hit me up, I want to support you and put you on, you know, my shows and help you out and stuff like that. But, uh, otherwise I find that there's just like a big overrepresentation of like whatever you would call bands like North Lane or, you know, something like that, where it's like, yeah, no idea on them. I don't know them, but yeah, it's a tough one with the bands like that. It's like, it's so, it's almost like cyborg music at that level, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, with what they're this, doing and how much technology is integrated into the heavy stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Some of the technology stuff just blows my mind though. Like, uh, you know, like the, the guitars that'll tune themselves and like, like, uh, you know, being able to like swap pitch, like using a pitch shifter between yeah, songs. Yeah, so they've got, they got the effects like... built into the guitar. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Some bizarre yeah. shit going on there. Yeah. I'm a bit old school, man. I think you've got to do it with your, to me, it's all being right handed. It's about the right hand. Being a bassist yeah. and a guitarist, it's about the right hand, and um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of a you know it's it's seventy five percent right hand, twenty five percent left hand, obviously, but it's especially when I play acoustic guitar or guitar, it's um, you know the muting I call it the muting strategy. Being a bassist, you know, it's like it's like how do you get your point across in the in most economically? How do you do that without a fix? Yeah. I've got to say, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I do like that idea, like how does this sound as best as it possibly can in the most raw version spot on yeah yeah that's that's really cool uh i hadn't considered things like that before but i totally agree um and the other guitarist of my band 100 percent is on this like he can down pick like no fucking man on this <laughs> earth can like seriously like you might as well go home james Hetfield. like he can he can down pick <laughs> like it, I don't know, like this guy, he's big, he lifts, he has the biggest muscles I've ever seen. He, he can, like, oh, he nice. obviously uses them to down fix so economically. And he'll write parts on the album where I'm like, oh, sick alternate picking bit. And he goes, no, nah, bro, that's all down. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, like, yeah. it's like six months of just yeah. practicing that shit. Like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, James Hetfield can go home too, by the way. It's no disrespect to my saying that. It's just that I'm done with Metallica. And look, the, oh, peanut, yeah, gallery, the peanut Gallery throw a lot of shit at me for this one here, but I can't stand them these days. And I, I just I, don't I, think about them anymore. Like, you know, that was you. like a decade ago. Like, they're done. I'm sick of them. The one thing that annoys me is that they're out there telling everybody in the world how to be a band. Like, they didn't just get the fucking run of it, you know? Like, by the time that they were, you know, like your age, my age, they would already fucking had like multiple platinum albums. They didn't have to fucking get a TikTok account. Like, I'm not going to listen to them. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. So yeah, he fucking wakes up and goes, you know what? I can't wait to listen to this Metallica album. These like the new ones. I'm talking. Hey, I'm not the first three, maybe four, but definitely the first three. I get it. I was like anybody back in 1992, 1993 as a young fella back then, you know, heard Black and went, wow, this is cool. And then the other stuff caught fire. And I was like, fucking Master of Puppets is the be all end all. Yeah, it was for me for about a year or two, too. Yeah. But post load, what an earth. And just the fanboys on social media. I've had them go after yeah. me, mate. They, I, I've done reviews wow. just to see what <laughs> yeah. their reaction is. Mate, they come after you with their pseudonyms and their cowardly, you know, fake oh, profiles man. and stuff. You, you know, like uh, I didn't listen to the new album because I heard the single and I was like, <laughs> I, I know that I'm not going to like this album, so I'm not going to bother. I didn't post about it, it online. I didn't share my opinion. Like, 
it just like it's hit that point of like i just don't care um if people are listening to this and they're like i love metallica what are these guys talking about that's awesome like good for you keep loving metallica i'm not gonna tell you no but also listen to fierce deity because he's just fucking doing shit that's better than metallica like and it sounds like well listen to you guys yeah. i mean seriously black <laughs> yeah, and dawn has got it all fucking going on this has been the issue i've spoken to bill hudson prominent people about this very topic it's like i've been to gigs where you see like the all ages gigs the festivals download down in melbourne and this sort of stuff and you see 15 year old kids in like judas priest and metallica t-shirts and i'm like going Dude, like, or, or Megadeth t-shirts, more to the point from a point that I want to make now. Like, when I was 15, yeah, I wore Countdown to Extinction t-shirts, okay? Yeah. But you don't have to do that now. you got your bands, your new bands that have come <laughs> out since then, Fallujah and these other killer yeah. deathcore and metalcore bands and death metal yeah. bands that are out there. I mean, you guys too, as I say, I'm not just pissing in your pocket. It's all here. <laughs> you don't have to hero worship the fucking, yeah, the influences of the influences. We get it. They're good yeah. bands, but but the Metallica thing, mate. It's just yeah, it's just gotten to a point now. Then where I'm I'm fed up with it. It's probably yeah. the easiest way to describe it. Sorry, it keeps coming up. It's just really easy to draw points from. Like it's uh, like if I think about down picking, I'm like, who is the most generically known good down picker? I think of James Hetfield. You know, just like stuff like that. I, I, I'm not trying to like uh, intentionally bring up Metallica for any reason. So. No, it's all right. It's it, but it is, isn't it? There's probably thousands of other down pickers out there. In terms yeah, of thousands. Like a relevant point. There literally, there literally are. Like, listen to any yeah. of these modern thrash bands these days. The guys in Metal Church or what have you. They're too modest to say anything else. Let's face it. No, no. Yeah. Like you know, I know these guys, and and they're not gonna they're not gonna heap shit on Metallica because they're seen as the Godfathers. You know, and yeah. we don't do that but they've been garbage for 30 years and yeah the I mean, fans, it's kind of, yeah it's, it's, it's just weird you know yeah I, I i i get it yeah like it has a time and a place in like someone's progression through metal and like once you're over it you're over it it becomes like normie stuff and like it's it's funny actually like these days uh bands uh, getting through that progression so much faster. I don't know if you've been looking towards like the power metal melodeath death spaces, but there are some mm. bands who are like only 15 years old who have had the, you know, amazing first two albums. And then, you know, they just kind of descend like from that point onwards into something that's like, you know, music that you would expect to see on a Kmart t-shirt, like that kind of quality stuff. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, look, I get I get a shitload of stuff sent to me. I've got a monthly music show. I wade through it and I can tell, I'm not saying I can tell straight away, but within 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. And I have to wade through hundreds of tracks in order to pick the the it's about four hours or so that my music show goes for. And so I want to pick the tracks that I think are worthwhile for the audience. And it's not always I I don't like new metal at all. Okay, yeah. but there are some interesting stuff that comes out of that. This nouveau new metal thing that's coming around these days. So I go, okay, the audience might want to hear it, um, and occasionally I'll get messages saying that's all right, or please don't play that sort of stuff again, or what have you. And um, <laughs> yeah. but I, I love brutal death metal, right? So I try to play as much of that as I can, and amongst everything yeah. else. And uh, look, the audience, the, the audience appreciates it from the perspective. I, I think they do anyway, based on the messages that it's. You know, they wouldn't elect to put this stuff on Spotify or Apple Music or even their own CD collection themselves. So this is where they go to hear some new music. But, yeah, to your point there, I haven't got a lot of um, that underage power metal stuff. 
yeah. <laughs> underage yeah. power metal sounds so bad. Oh no, it does, doesn't it? But it just sort yeah. of suits, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's you know, it's just funny. Anyway, um, I, can I ask you? Um, sure. I don't, I don't know if this is what you want to talk about on on this. No, anything. Go for it. I'm, I'm okay. open, open slate, mate. Go for it. So, so you listen to like, uh, as you mentioned, like four hours vaguely of like submissions that people send to you, and you said you know in thirty seconds, like whether it's going to be good or not. Like, what are the tells? What do you what do you listen for that that makes you go, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, first of all overly long intros are bullshit don't do it just <laughs> just especially if it's a lead single yeah like if it's you know 20 seconds of you know haunting shores on wretched refuge sort of thing you know like forget it just don't okay whatever genre you are it doesn't quite work you know paradise lost did away with that fucking 30 years ago with the doom and death scene okay it's you don't yeah. need to do that anymore i'd say the other thing would be quality musicianship that's number one Okay, mm -hmm. so are they, are they good plays? Does it make sense? And it doesn't have to be technical. It just has has to make sense for what the band is trying to do. Probably the the, the biggest clincher though is what's the vocal like? Yeah, okay? right. Because you, you can have shitty music, but if you've got a great vocal, then it sort of makes sense of everything. Like look at Nirvana, mm -hmm. for example, with that sort of stuff. Like I'm not yeah. saying that that was completely shit music, but go and put say an average vocalist over that music. It would just, it wouldn't go anywhere yeah, yeah, because Kurt Cobain had that, had that, you know, that wretched voice that he's got. And it, it's, I don't even like the band to be honest with you, but I can understand why it was so successful is the point there. So there's a couple of things there and it's, it's something, then there's all, often there's something intangible too. Like you might go, oh, it captures the essence of King King Diamond or something, and I'm I'm down with that, you know. Yeah. So, so I, I don't have a heap of time. I got two kids. I've got a full time job. You know, um, I swim a lot. There's a lot of this sort of stuff going on. So I dedicate time to the, uh, this month. I've really been on top of it. Actually, I've listened to the submissions and I've gone, okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And the, the final point I'll make around that is, um, generally speaking, if there's a solid gatekeeper, I know it's going to be okay. So dicey. I know yeah. it's going to be good. Um, John Howarth, I know it's going to be good. So nuclear blast, that sort of stuff. Um, mm. So I look for the gatekeeper that it comes through in order to uh, make it. But that, that's probably, to be honest, mate, that's probably 50% of it. And then the other part of it, because Dicey does not fuck around, as you know. So yeah, yeah. if a band's come through him or um, Miller at Black Reno, um, you know, their cold PR thing or what have you, yeah, um, I know it's going to be quality. So I, I do, it just depends on, are you interested in that flavor, you know? Well, there you have it. Anthony Kamein from Triple Kill, ladies and gentlemen. I enjoyed that one a lot. Sometimes it's nice just to get a bit loose and just have a general chinwag about all sorts of things associated with the scene and beyond. Okay, if you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening, I know you like reading. You're an intelligent audience, and I've written a book for you. It's titled Scars and Guitars, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. Click on the link in the banner, and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. You know what to do from there. I've got some more information to share with you about the book in the moment. But before I do, I'll bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Bickai-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it's a goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. 
The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>